Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to the Boxing One Podcast. This is episode five, and the Boxing One Podcast is a podcast that discusses Christ's sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. We got some great stuff in store for you on today's show. We're going to talk NBA playoffs like we always do. We're also going to, to discuss the transgender debate and the bathroom question. And we're going to also hit on Lecrae signing with Columbia Records and the tremors that it sent through the Christian hip hop community. So looking forward to doing that. But before we do that, I've been trying to get these two guys, my co-host, Chris Lasseter, C. Lass, and Jeremy Hartman, Jay Hart, to come to Chicago for the Legacy Conference this summer. I'm still trying to convince one of them. I think the other one I have convinced. But on the other end of that, they're trying to get me to come down to Stanton, Virginia. Yes, please Google it right now and then come back and listen. Because I don't yeah, know. It needs where a U. You gotta have a U in it when you Google it. it I looks don't like know Staunton. Where, I don't know where that is, but they've been trying to convince me to come down. So what do I need to come to Stanton for? That's what I need to know. All right. So I grew up here. I'm just telling you. Uh it's just a great little city. It has an amazing downtown. It has good food. It's a tourist attraction. It's small, only about 23,000 people, but lots of people come to visit every year. It's 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 one of the best places in Virginia to spend one day. And since you went to Howard, you're only about two hours away. If you ever come to the east, I'm just saying, come check us out for a day. Just make a day trip of it while you're out east. Why don't I just go to Howard? You've been to Howard. You've seen everything, Howard. <laughs> Look, listen, I'm, Where, from, I'm from a small town, okay? So I understand the small town living, and I actually try to convince people to come to my hometown. So I, I feel you. I feel your plight. But if for some reason, I have this urban bug now to where I really can't spend more than 24 to 48 hours in, in a smaller city. It's something... Something that just doesn't feel right. So I might have to come down for 24 hours, man. But I heard you guys have some Shakespearean plays going on or Shakespeare theater down there that um, you think might be interesting. But I'm not a man of the art. So you got to convince me. If you want to meet the funniest people on the face of the earth, you got to come to Stanton, Virginia. It's just a town full of comedians. <laughs> OK, OK. Jay Hart, you going to convince me or not? We good. No, look, I'm trying to tell you, the Shakespeare thing, you got to go at least once. And if you go once, you'll be like, oh, you know what? This is kind of dope. And besides, like, why would you go to Howard? You've been there. And Chris and I aren't in Howard. We're in Stan. So you that's when, come hang out with us. That's when y'all take the two-hour trip, get out of the country, and come on up and be city slickers for a little bit. In Jay, this hey, city. if we go to any city, Jay, what city are we going to? I'm going to Philly. We going to Philly. Why? Because y'all going to the Christian hip hop mecca? Yeah. And we're going to get cheesesteaks, chicken cheesesteaks for me. And um, we're going to hit up Eric Mason. Wow. Y'all are. Diamond. I've been to that church a couple times. Y'all are true East Coasters for real. Right. When I was in college, oh, yeah. you, when I was in college, I really didn't like East Coast cats. 
So God has really redeemed me with you two. Hold on. On this like, podcast. Georgia is on the east. Like, don't act like you're not in the east. Like, you just south. <laughs> I know I know you've heard about the third coast. Yeah. But look, I'm Gulf just, Coast. I'm just <laughs> I'm just telling you, Georgia is not considered the East Coast. Okay. East Coast cats, they got a whole nother they wear Timberlands with shorts. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. Okay. We can go into that later on in another podcast, but I got I got some beef with the East Coasters. Listen though. And I'm not Tupac. VA VA, man, we got an identity crisis. That's why we gotta find our identity in the gospel. Like nobody really, really wants to claim us. So um even when people shout DMV, they're usually talking about the upper part of Virginia that's real close to D.C. So the South don't really think we the South. The North definitely know we're not the North. So uh, we, we're struggling here, man. It's like, throw us a bone. But listen, that, try to convince us. Convince my man Jay that he needs to come to Legacy this year. I don't need to convince him. All I got to do is send him a link. Okay. No. Oh. As long as you know. That's who, how it is. As long as you know who's coming and who's ministering. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be there? It's one of the best conferences I've ever been to. If I, I had to, if I had to, like my grandmama and them, if I had to walk all the way up to Chicago from Stanton, Virginia, I'd come. <laughs> like in, in two feet of snow, right? <laughs> in two feet of Therefore. snow. Oh, it's going to be two feet of snow. You can bet that. Just to you get my education. <laughs> but anyhow, man, I, Jeremy. Gotta roll, man. Gotta roll. Don't worry, I'll see you in July. It's I appreciate a 16-hour drive, just letting you know. And That's all that it is. Before. That's all? So, all right. Jury's still out in Stanton. We're trying to figure out if you guys are going to come to Chicago, but we got to talk about these NBA playoffs. Okay? And we need to start at the logical starting point. Gotta this start here. The San Antonio Spurs lost a six-game series against OKC Thunder. I thought we had a chance to win it. And then Russell Westbrook did something that I did not anticipate he'd do. He actually played productive basketball. (laughs) And the game was over. And then Pop went crazy. Okay, I'm about to go on a little rant, okay? Pop went crazy and just started playing players that haven't played the entire playoff series. Like this is my first time seeing Pop get flustered. And I got a little bit nervous when I saw my boy Bohan come in there. The seven foot <laughs> six guy who never plays and get pushed around by Adams and my boy Cantor. So I knew it was almost over then. Then we made a little late run. It was like, oh, we're about to come back and win. No. Did not happen. So shout out to the OKC Thunder. And, and and let me tell you, yes, Tim Duncan did look old. Yes, people did talk about him starting to to start to retire talk. But I still think he can play 20 minutes next year. And I don't want to hear from anybody else about that. Okay. 20 minutes a game for TD. We're gonna bring a good group of players back, two all-stars. Let me tell you something about great teams. They don't <laughs> rebuild, okay? They just reload. <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to do, okay? We got a potential Mike, Mike Conley, Pal Gasol. We got some candidates that may be coming over. You're going to see us next year. You will. 
Absolutely. Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Where is Boris Diaw? He was on the bench. I, I, I didn't know what was happening. Like, did he have a DNP? Like, illness, flu, sickness? I don't they know. said he was healthy. I don't know what Pop was doing then. Maybe he just felt like he was too undersized for the bigs. But anybody but Bohan, okay? That was yeah, like that concession. Like, yeah, that was like a reach right there. That was the reach of all reaches. Like, you know what? Nothing else is working. Uh, let me try this. So I saw a 40-year-old Andre Miller. 40! He was balling, though, in the second half. I mean, he wasn't your problem. So no, but once you see 40-year-old Andre happened, Miller, you know you where we're... see effective minutes. I know, but we're reaching then, man. So, you know, I'm I'm disappointed, but at the same time, I understand that we're we're going to be back next year. I know a lot of people. This might be that under the radar year where people are like, okay, Spurs are done. They've been saying it since 2009. So when we come back and talk about this on the podcast, I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about the best team best team in the league next year. Um, Boom. okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Man, let's talk about the Raptors, please. Can we talk about the Raptors? Raptors? Are they, are yes. they, are they legit? Um, they were legit until Kyle Lowry went ahead and threw some shade on LeBron and said, LeBron is the best player in the NBA besides Steph Curry. Wow. One of the best. He didn't even say the best. He said one of yeah. the best. Well, um, was that the best subtweet of all time? <laughs> no. Like, you yeah. just hit him with the. You know, like, how can you say that about LeBron? Like, you know, you about to see this guy in a series. Yeah, he's one of the best players. All right, that's strike one. But then he said, besides Steph, like, he named Steph. He was like, yeah, pretty much the league has already decided that LeBron's number two now. Right before you play him, I don't know if that's a great move. Well, they're going to lose. They're probably going to get swept at this point. I'm just concerned about one thing. Okay, I need to ask you guys this question, and this is sincere. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Anytime you gotta say this is sincere, like I'm not sure what's coming after that. I need to know if Drake is really a Toronto Raptors fan. No, he's from Toronto. ES- but did you not see the ESPN article? No, which one? They they did an ESPN article about Drake and how he was the world's greatest bandwagon fan and how one minute he's in Kentucky with Calipari and the next minute he's in Toronto and the next minute he's with LeBron and the next minute he's with Steph. But so, a case a case can be made. He's from Toronto. He has a point zero 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 one interest in the team on an ownership standpoint. And he's always at some of their regular season games when they play big teams. Now, this is game seven of the Eastern Conference semis. And you look over in Drake section, no Drake. Is there ever any excuse for you to miss game seven of your team's elimination game at home? No. Like, I don't know where he was. That big what was Drake thing. doing? I mean, literally, what was Drake doing? All right, so, all right, I'm, I'm going to take that conversation, and we're going to bring it back quick, but here's my thing. Some days, you know, like, life is going great, and you got to kind of preach the gospel to yourself, remind yourself that you're 
identities in Christ, that you're um, fully loved and accepted in Christ. That's the number one thing you have to do is preach the gospel to yourself. This airball in the Kentucky warm-up line at Midnight Madness, and then you realize life ain't that bad. So those are the two things. When people are having a bad day, that's my two pieces of advice for them. Preach the gospel to yourself and watch Drake's jumper in Kentucky. Oh, Drake has not one basketball playing bone in his body. Not at all. Yeah. He looked like wheelchair Jimmy when he shot the jump shot. The worst. It was terrible. Now, now I've just lost all respect for him as a fan. Like, period. <coughs> it's not that you couldn't afford seats. It's your seats. Like, why are you not at Game 7? Makes no sense to me. So when he's at these games in this round in the Eastern Conference Finals, I can't take you seriously. Don't blow in nobody's ear. Don't get in their face when they're taking the ball out, out of bounds. Sit down and watch the game like a casual fan, like the Lakers fans. Bim. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> He's going to throw cheap shots out there like that. Okay. I lived in L.A., man. I've seen it personally. Like, they show up to the games, and they're not really watching the games. So you say they like Miami Heat fans, too. Exactly. So I'm not I'm not throwing any shade. I'm throwing truth. This is a truth bomb. But don't you right, feel man, give some me. level like Laker fans are knowledgeable too? Like there's definitely that part of it, but they also have a winning culture. And beside the Hollywood part of it, like they're diehard basketball fans. Like it's a basketball city as far as sports goes, right? They can't go to the games, and they don't live in L.A. Fair enough. There you have it. So let's talk about these conference finals. I need predictions from you guys. Eastern Conference Finals. <coughs> who wins it? How many games? And then tell me about the person who's going to be the person who changes the series or who impacts the series the most. I got um I got J.R. Smith being the impact player because he tends to light it up from the three-point land in games that don't matter. Um, so give me him. Um, and I think I'm with Hartman. I think I think it's as really as easy as um, Cleveland in five. I think um, Toronto is excited to be in the finals. I'm excited for their fans. It's been really neat seeing them embrace that. But I just don't think they're good enough. Like, I don't think – and, I mean, they're not even going into it fully healthy. But I think just for their fans, they'll pull out one. And Lowry just likes playing against the Cavs. So I, I think they'll get at least one game. But that's it. I can't see them getting two. Uh, give me Golden State, but I don't feel confident in that pick at all. In how many games? Seven. Impact player? Steph. Steph Curry. All right, Jay Hart, who you got? Eastern Conference, Western Conference? <laughs> um, Eastern Conference, I'm going Cleveland in five, maybe six, because Kyrie doesn't play any defense, so Lowry might get a, a second one. Um, my impact player for that one would be Kevin Love. I think okay. he's going to pull those big those big guys from Toronto out of the paint, stretch the floor a little bit, so Kyrie and LeBron and J.R. Smith and those guys will have driving lanes. So I'm Cleveland in five in that one. Uh, Western Conference, you know, I got this funny feeling that Oklahoma City is going to beat Golden State, and if they do, it'll go seven. Um, I just think right now OKC is playing the best basketball of the season for them, kind of like Cleveland, like they're hot at the right time. Mm -hmm. 
And when you got two guys like KD and Russell Westbrook, that, that's – I don't know. I'm not – I'm like Chris. I'm not comfortable picking either way. I Personally, I'd like to see Golden State win, but I just got this funny feeling that OKC is going to pull off the shocker in seven. Impact player for that, Steven Adams. Steven Adams, Mr. Mustache. But, Jay. Yep. If you pick, if you pick, if you pick uh, Oklahoma City in seven, that means you got to win in Game Seven in uh, Oakland or in San Fran. Yep. I don't know about that. I think if they get it, it's in six. Think about this: How many times did San Antonio lose at home this year? Once. Okay. How many times they lose at home? Three. In the last uh, round? I think it's three. I think. No, when you said three. this year, I'm thinking regular season. Right. Regular season. Playoffs. They pull that. out. They pull out th- two wins on our court, yes. So OKC yeah. has one in San Antonio. Now let me tell you my picks, yes. and I'm going to tell you why OKC is uh, not going to win that series. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time on Cleveland. Cleveland four or five. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. Nobody's really talking about DeMar DeRozan. He scored like 32 in game six or seven. He's a good ball player. But they just don't have enough firepower for the Cavs. And LeBron's going to dominate the entire game. It's going to be sick. And I'll say the impact player for that series is going to be Kyrie. His crossover is ridiculous. Um, Western Conference Finals, probably going to go with the Warriors in six. (coughs) Sorry, OKC. I know that they are hot, but their four quarters are horrible. Like, they let us come back from 28 down. To cut it down to 11. The way they return the ball over, I don't really understand why they just do that in the fourth quarter. And Golden State will make them pay. Absolutely make them pay. So, impact player for me, I'm going to go with Skinny Man, Sean Livingston, coming off the bench. I really like the way he plays, man. And he's going to make an impact on this series. Who's going to guard him when Westbrook goes out the game? Randy Foy? Good night. Good night. (laughs) <laughs> Westbrook is super athletic, but he gets lost on defense when people move. Like it's like he can't even find the person he's guarding sometimes if it's not just like straight up one-on-one defense. So and the I Warriors think that's offense, why it makes step a hard matchup for him. And the Warriors offense is all about movement. So <laughs> that's gonna be a wrap. All right, so we're done with the NBA playoffs. We want to talk about this next issue, which is a touchy subject. Um, and we understand that there are folks on both sides of it. We want to make sure that we we touched on it because it's going to impact our culture in our society. So recently, the Department of Justice released a guidance letter to all public schools <coughs> on last Friday saying to them that they were to allow transgender people to use bathrooms based off of their chosen gender identity, which basically means that person can choose whatever sex they are and can do so regardless of what their sexual identity was at birth. So uh, obviously there are communities who are concerned about this and then there are other communities who are on board with this decision. But I want to just make sure we had a conversation about it, about how do we approach this as a Christian community? Talk a little bit about the piece you wrote too. So I'm a lawyer. And I've been doing doing lawyer stuff for the past eight, nine years. So the Reformed African-American Network, ran network.org, asked me to write a piece 
um, talking about the legal implications of that guidance letter. Now, DOG, DOJ, sorry, the DOJ, Department of Justice, does have some authority given to them by Congress to write these types of letters. Um, but it appeared that the letter had or carried with it the weight of the law, which means that they became, in essence, a lawmaking body by telling public school systems that they had to comply with this guidance letter or risk losing federal funding. Now, if I'm a public school district in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, and I'm trying to get them federal checks, I'm probably <laughs> going to comply without any issue. And my issue from a legal perspective is that they've kind of usurped the legal process of going through legislation um, to get something like this passed. And because of the short period of time that the Obama administration is in office, they're trying to make sure that they cover everything that they want to cover before uh, they leave office, whether or not there's a Democrat or Republican in there in November. So my issue with that was they completely sidetracked the entire legal process that we've had in place here to, as a country for so long um, that I was a little bit concerned by that. Even with the civil rights movement, it took up to 12 years for laws to be passed in order for us to move from se separate but equal facilities to um, integration in schools. So patience is always what I what I preach, especially when there are people impacted on both sides of it. So what do you guys think about it? What, what are your thoughts on it? Man, I have I have a couple of thoughts. Um, one, I think, um, and this is kind of a weird way to approach it, but um, <clears throat> like whenever like Christians don't think like through things with the gospel, um, I mean, I think in the past it's just fair to say like we missed it on the gender issue um, and the homosexuality issue until like in the 80s when we grew up and AIDS was just coming out, like America was very homophobic and um, it was very vile towards people, homosexual, uh, homosexuals, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And it was something that the culture did and Christians just kind of fell in line with. And um, it really wasn't in line with the gospel, the way that we were treating people who were made in the Imago Dei, even mm -hmm. if we disagreed with their lifestyle. So then the culture shifts, right? And the culture says like, yo, why were we ever doing that? And it leaves Christians in a weird place because they weren't in line with the gospel. I think we also saw that same kind of thought in parenting, like um, just be really strict and make your kids really moral. Um, but was that the gospel? You know, like is being really strict and really moral the gospel? And so then the culture changes and then Christians are left with something that's unchristian, just kind of left holding the bag in a couple of issues. So my thought has been just like, what would the New Testament church, what would the covenant community of God in the Old Testament have done in these situations? How do we stand by our principles and like try to live out a gospel ethic, like in our own lives um, and legislation and things like that, but also love communities who think vastly different, even as the culture tides and like, increasingly you see um not so much physical persecution but more social persecution towards the christian faith so i've just been given a lot of thought so that's where i've been kind of 
trying to land as far as like how do I how do I live as a pilgrim lovingly and stand for truth so mm. yeah what about you Jay Hart um, I think everybody's first reaction like especially like if you read any of the online articles or um, any websites like it's almost painful to read any of the commentary because there's a clear stand on issues um, and it almost seems like there are, I don't know what you want to call them fanatical Christians, but like Christians who take the hard line and say, you know what, like this is totally wrong and my kids aren't going to go to school there. And, you know, they throw out the examples of, um, you know, some kind of uh, sexual predator going into the bathroom and taking advantage of their kids and, um, you know, it's real easy to do that and and kind of justify that by saying, well, scripture says it's wrong, but also think we need to deal with these issues in love. And like Chris said, through the lens of the gospel, how, you know, what would Jesus do? How would he approach these things? Um, and for me, being a public educator now, like we haven't really faced this issue. There hasn't really been a concern um, but I think you have to deal with all things in love. I think there has to be an understanding that, you know what, like these people may not believe or feel the same way we do, but I also don't think there'd be a healthy dialogue or discussion about it um, if it's automatically Christians cast in stone. Mm. Um, I, I think there is like, yes, we do need to have a debate about it. Uh, we do need to have healthy conversation about it um, and how it relates in terms of the gospel. But also think that we have to deal with people in love and oftentimes people think that just because I may not agree with you um, or you're you know standing on certain issues that doesn't mean I hate you um, and that's one of the things that I, I feel like we're facing is that automatically if we as Christians disagree or say hey or, you know according to scripture this may not be right it's automatically we're painted as, you know, haters or there's some kind of hatred or animosity toward these people. Mm. Uh, mm. And I think until there is a, a, an open conversation that's dealt with in Christ-like love, I don't think we can really resolve these issues. Um, and I think they become touchy subjects and I think they become um, even more matters of legislation. Uh, you know, my kids both go to Christian school. Chris's kids go to Christian school. Um, and their headmaster sent out an email today, uh, you know, just talking about similar things with this. And there is going to come a time where, yeah, we're going to have to draw a line in the sand. But I also think, um, you know, we have to do that in a Christ like manner and say, you know, this is how the Lord would approach these things. And um, sometimes you just got to love people through it. Yeah. Yeah. Good counsel. What about you, sir? I'm still processing it, man. You know, um, you know, my first inclination was to, to think through the legal implications. And just as an African-American, I'm just trying to grasp, um, I guess, the, the counter the counter statement or argument in terms of um, civil rights. And that's just, I mean, transparently been the hardest thing for me. Um, I definitely uh, do look at each other other individuals as people who are created in God's image, love on them um, and, and completely um, think that, that Christ works in the midst of all of that. 
um, also as a as a product of the civil rights movement, as a product of attorneys who um, actually litigated the Brown versus Board of Education decision, of a, as a product of parents, grandparents who were hosed with water, um, attacked by dogs. It just it's hard for me to kind of grasp the entire concept of it being compared to that in that way. So, you know, I'm just, you know, prayerfully just asking God to continue to, to work through that um, and allow me to kind of to see um, some of the, some of the things that I could do to kind of help, help in the process and, and just have that conversation with people. Um, because I can disagree with you without being ugly and offensive. And I think that that's one of the things that, that people need to to learn to have those conversations, those gospel conversations that, that aren't offensive. Um, obviously, the gospel is the scandaliza, right? It's the, it's the offense of the gospel that causes people's hearts to change. But you don't have to offend on issues. Um, it's the gospel that offends. So um, that's that's the one thing that I'm I'm really kind of processing right now. So, yeah, I would just add, man, like um, just a couple more thoughts. Um, like they say, proximity um, breeds compassion, you know. <clears throat> and so the level of closeness you have to an issue is going to change, rather than just um, if you are just thinking <clears throat> theoretically through an issue. And so I think for Jay and I. <clears throat> Our kids go to Christian school, but we've both been heavily involved in this city's public school system. I was doing campus ministry at the same school that Jay was teaching at. <clears throat> so these are kids, you know, like when we we're thinking about like actual kids, you know, like faces are popping up. You know what I'm saying? And we're taking into account all these things like um, <clears throat> my pastor does a really good job of like phrasing it and just saying like, hey, like we believe like that like in the gospel, like God has a design for people to flourish. And so we want society to reflect that. We want that kingdom to come because that helps all people flourish, you know? And that that kind of helps with that debate because Jay, you're so right. I mean, what's that verse? First Timothy 3.12, like all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So as soon as you land anywhere other than where everyone else lands, like it's automatically you're a bigot <clears throat> but at some point we stand for truth, you know, but we want to do it in love. We want to have those conversations. We want to have different conversations about like God's plans for people flourishing, like not just Christians, but people flourishing. And that's why we want to see um, like godly laws or laws that reflect um, God's character and nature in place in our society. But those are difficult conversations to have. Um, and I think it's only going to grow more hostile as time goes. Mm -hmm. But I'm just trying to say, Lord, help me commit to walking in love, even as the hostility grows. So, And I think my biggest thing, especially with my wife and I, our biggest thing is just been praying for our children um, as they get older, because I think they're going to face so much more than we're facing right now. I think as the time goes on, like they're going to be faced with much more difficult issues than what we're seeing right now. So um, my biggest prayer is for my children that, you know, they understand um, God's word and they can deal with those things um, with a Christian worldview 
That's good. That's good. All right, man. Quickly, quickly, we're gonna um, jump into this Lecrae issue, man. So last week, last Friday, uh, Lecrae announced, or Rapzilla announced, and everybody else announced that Lecrae was signing with Columbia Records. And it's interesting because the articles were like Lecrae signing with same record label as Beyonce and Adele. Not even saying Columbia. Like Columbia is not a well-known. I mean. Columbia is a well-known label, but th- I think that even the way that articles were couching it were like, oh, he's going over to the secular side, as opposed to saying Lecrae signed with Columbia Records. So just wanted to get you guys initial impressions about that signing and uh, and where we go from there in terms of what you think Lecrae's music gonna do, is going to do musically uh, by signing with Columbia. My initial impression was, okay, who... Lecrae is going to face even more criticism now because like you said, Oh, he's jumping to the secular side. Um, my concern would be, are they going to try to water down um, the message? And if not, um, how is he going to navigate that? Uh, on the flip side, I look at it from a business standpoint, he's doing what a businessman would do and try to find the best deal and the best way to distribute, um, you know, his material, his music, um, through a wider lens and, you know, basically with more financial backing probably. So from a business standpoint, it was probably a smart thing to do. From a Christian standpoint, I'm wondering, will the message be watered down or how will his music be perceived or will they ask him to change certain things? Hmm. What about you, C-Lass? I mean, it really, I mean, it, it's another one of those things, Jay, where uh, you just don't want to read the comment sections, right? And right. so um, I was, I mean, part of me was just like, hey, did he say he denied the faith? When I read the uh, comment sections, I was like, all right, I understand. I read um, Tim Keller's book, Center Church. And it was really helpful just talking about like, if this is your theological standpoint, like it's going to work itself out practically in this way. And it kind of helped me like to take a step back and say, some people think like this. So anything that has anything to do with secular, like they automatically think is bad. Uh, I read Daniel and see like Daniel worked in a very godless work environment. And I would say um, like God still used him in that work environment, but also God called him to that work environment. So like it has to be an issue of calling. Um, For me, I think Lecrae, like, seems like he's a pretty solid dude. He's made some mistakes in how he's kind of rebranded. I think not everyone would agree with all of that, but it seems like he's in a solid church. It seems like he's been discipled well. And so in my end, I might not agree with everything he does, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And more than that, like, that's an industry where it needs the gospel. So I'll commit mm. to praying for him. Other than that, I really don't, like, get so tied up in the – um what artists do anymore, you know? So I'm getting older too. So, yeah, like not an argument for me, but John Richards, what you got for us? I don't have an argument. I I don't really um, understand per se. So, so here's my, here's my initial impressions Uh, for hungry artist. It makes sense for fed artist who has his own brand. I'm not sure it does. And I'll just say it like that because um, obviously Columbia gets you exposure 
if you're not a Grammy Award winning Jimmy Kimmel appearing platinum gold selling number one on Billboard chart artist. Um, but it if it makes sense for for them as a label, if it makes sense for him as an artist, then you know I say go for it. the The only reservation that I would have is that I know people who work in the music industry um, as attorneys, um, as legal counsel. And so I understand the inner workings of um, what happens there in terms of shaping an artist's appearance, shaping even concepts and covers and uh, title tracks and which track gets released first. Um, depending on how the actual contract itself is shaped and formed, it can be hindering to someone's career. So my prayer is that, you know, he had um, strong legal counsel to advise him against um, allowing that much of a control over the process. But when you're dealing with a monster like Columbia, I'm pretty sure that they'll have some level of it. So. We'll see what happens um, so, when, when the albums come out and see see how he was able to retain some of that identity. So that's my prayers that he's able to do that. Yeah. So um, for me, like I grew up on cross movement, so I've always been just like a big fan of like East Coast John Richards, East Coast music, East Coast <laughs> heavy on the lyricism, but heavy on the Christ, and so natural transition into love and lamp mode as well but at the same time as much as i love them like i don't want everyone who picks up a mic to feel the need to be lamp mode or cross movement you know in order to have an impact for the gospel and i do want to see people who love christ like on that side and i hope like big picture we can see like this is all the same team like let's pray for them like if it gets to a point where like it needs to be like an addressed issue and like this feels like sin. Let's let's deal with it, but let's also give him the benefit of the doubt that like he does have a heart to see people come to Christ. So mm. that's just my two mm. cents. Oh, that's good. That's good. So so we want to be able to end every segment by giving our listeners some resources, some good things that we're reading and listening to, um, just to give them and equip them with some resources that might be helpful in their spiritual journey. So uh, we're going to end this session by just asking these brothers, what are you reading or what are you listening to that you think might be a blessing to those who are listening to this podcast? See, last, what you're listening to, what you're reading. All right. So right now, um, I'm just kicking it old school, taking it back to ambassadors, Christology in layman's terms. Um, I've always been a huge fan of lyricism. So the lyrics really important to me and um I just think the combination of like lyrical depth and theology on that album is just, it makes it a classic. It's an album. I feel like everybody who leans towards hip hop um, should own, should have, should play regularly. Also, um, I love, I love, uh, what's my uh, instruments of mercy. I love that album by beautiful eulogy. So that stays in heavy rotation with me outside of reading, um, First Thessalonians as a devotional reading right now. Um, I'm reading Introduction to the Old Testament by Tremper Longman the Third. Mm. Um, just trying to make sense of more of how 
what the story that the whole Old Testament tells as one narrative. So that's mm. been really good too. That's good. That's good. All right, Jay Hart, what you been listening to, man? Um, recently, I've just been listening to Tadashi's uh, latest album. Um, that one has a personal place in my heart just from the standpoint of we shared a similar experience in losing a child. Um, I was fortunate enough to get the album early and um, do an album review for Jam the Hype and the website. Basically, it's just um, just sharing that he lost the son, I lost the son as well in 2007, um, and just feeling that pain and that hurt and the range of emotions through those songs and that album. So that's really spoken to me lately. I've been listening to that. Um, also, uh, Church Closed 3 has been in rotation. Um, and I think that's more so of just trying to go through and um, decipher things that, you know, Lecrae is talking about since he's been in the news so much. So just kind of looking, listening through those lyrics again. Hmm. Reading wise, uh, aside from reading the good book, um, I've just been taking a moment to enjoy some sports reading. So I'm not necessarily sure that uh, we want to get into that book, you know, since somebody is in the book, but we're not going to say no names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I'm just going to leave that one alone for a moment and come back to y'all with something I'm picking up at the end of this week. So I'll have something for you next week as far as reading wise. That's great. That's great. So I've been reading Jesus Manifesto. It's actually a reread um, by Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola. I don't always agree with both of them, but this book is probably one of my favorites. And the subtitle is Restoring the Supremacy and Sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And it's a simple book. I mean, it's based off Colossians and the text about Jesus um, being in all um, through all. And one of the passages in the introduction that really, like, really hits me is where he's, they say that the world likes Jesus. They just don't like the church. But increasingly, the church likes Jesus. The church likes the church, yet it doesn't like Jesus. And, um, you know, they really just unpack that in the book. So uh, I would commend that to anybody who look, who's looking to restore the supremacy of Christ. Um, even in their church, even in their personal life, it really is a Christ-centered um, perspective on who he is and answering that question, who do you say I am? Um, the other, do you reread a lot of books? I do. So one of the things that I've, I've um, undertaken recently, and I think that I'm not even sure who said this. It may have been J.I. Packer, but he was like, um, before you read new books, you probably want to go back and reread older books. Um, and it's a good spiritual discipline and practice um, as a refresher. Cause I keep all my notes in Evernote, but I don't always remember. So when I'm rereading and going back through highlights, I'm thinking through, Oh, that was actually a good highlight. Like I forgot about that in that book. And I think I read so many books that I don't necessarily uh, recall and remember their, everything. So Ever since I read that from Packer, I've been going back and rereading some of the older books I've read um, and making sure I really hone in on some of the passages that passages that I highlighted. So, yes, I do. To answer your question, uh, what I've been listening to, I actually went back and listened, started listening to the latest Flame album. Um, I love that album. It's really good. It's really. I mean, he has a lot of. Let me just say this: he has a lot of white pastors on there. 
He has a lot of voiceovers. Like, I don't know. So a lot of these, a lot of rappers, I'm going to say this quickly. They like do a lot of sermonettes from a lot of pastors um, in some of their albums in terms of like just quotes. I mean, they're great. They're great. And it's really interesting. Like Flame had a ton of them in his. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like Russ Moore. Uh, that... <laughs> it's Russell Moore. I don't sound like him. At some point, he just says it's Russell Moore. Right, 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 right. So it's cool, though, man. It, that's why I really like the album because it really is a theologically sound album. Um, and he really is unashamed about that. So that's what I've been listening to. And it's to. so timely. Yeah. It's timely for where the coaches headed. Oh, I love that album, man. That yep. album is such, it's so good. So I would completely commend that to anybody who's, who is, uh, who's really wanting to to get into some really good Christian hip hop. All right, man. So great. We've made it through episode five of our podcast and talked about some really great issues. And we just pray. I mean, we pray that ultimately Christ gets the glory out of all that was said and all that we do here on this podcast. I thank these brothers for sharing their hearts with me and just um, helping me to share the gospel through the lens of things that we really love, which are sports and culture. All right. This has been episode five. I will catch you guys next time. Peace out.